This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I feel like the situation with Lindholm is different, actually, than the situation with Nebraska. I think oh, we have noticed differences between Lindholm's game last year and this year that would indicate a step back uh, for Lindholm, whereas DeBrusque seems to, like the eye test tells us DeBrusque is the same player he was last year. Lindholm and Brian in particular has kind of keyed in at times. Don't give me that face, Brian. Um, that and it's probably because such a he had such a good start to last season. The bar was kind of high, and then he's underperformed a little bit this year. So um just thoughts on that uh from both of you. Is it the same situation as DeBrusque, or is there more blame to go on Lindholm? Yeah, I, I don't think it's exactly the I don't think it's really the same um and obviously the reason Lindholm kind of gets into the crosses after Saturday is he's probably you know he's most at fault on the game-winning goal uh Josh Anderson sort of just walks right around him one-on-one which is a tough look because Josh Anderson is not the most skilled forward in the world um and that's you know a player Lindholm should be able to defend one-on-one um you know, with Lindholm, like, I think the eye test tells you this and the numbers back it up. Like, he is legitimately less involved offensively. It's not just a matter of luck. Like, he's he's taking fewer shots. He's getting fewer scoring chances. And I think, like, most alarmingly, he's getting his shot through way less. Um, NHL and, and Hockey Reference both track, like, shot through percentage, basically – your percentage of shot attempts that end up on net. And last year was over 50%, around 53. He's over 50% for his career. This year is at 36% of his shot attempts are getting through on goals. So that's obviously a problem. Like not only are you taking away your chances of scoring a goal, if you're not getting a shot through, but you're taking away your chances of getting an assist on a deflection, a rebound, making something happen. If you, if your shot just misses the net, like there's nothing anyone can do with it. So. Also, when you're taking shots from the point, like if your shot gets blocked right in front of you, you're losing that blue line battle and you're going to have to be defending. Like you're going right from offense to defense on a block shot that bounces back into the neutral zone and, and you can end up, you know, not saying that that's happened a lot, but that is one of the dangers of not getting your shot through from the point. Sorry, I was trying to um, I was trying to pull up the the game winning goal um, to send to you guys because the it's alarming to me that Lindholm, who is look obviously last year, I don't think he's what do you finish fourth in Norris voting? Obviously, I don't think he's that that good of a defenseman uh, in the league. 
right? I mean, he's not a top five defenseman in my opinion, uh, or in the opinion of pretty much anybody. That said, when you're somebody who had a year like that and is capable of being a whatever, you, would you call him a top twenty defenseman in the NHL when he's on his game? He should be, yeah. Okay, so if you're if you have the potential to be a top twenty defenseman in the NHL, the best league in the world, why are you defending Josh Anderson one on one with two hands on your stick on the right side of your body and then on the left side of your body? It's it, it's literally it's you're you are taught from five years old from when you can skate if you're playing defense you keep you keep your stick you know one hand on and you keep it dead straight between your the the forwards legs coming at you you try to keep them in front of you keep your chest square as 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 much as you can until you have to start making a commitment one way or the other um i mean that 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 i just have no idea what he was doing on that goal it it, quite frankly and i don't want to you know assess his whole season so far in one play right but that play last night was unacceptable defense from a guy of his caliber. I have no idea what he was doing. And uh, Scott mentioned Anderson's not like, trust me, he's not the, he's not, he's not a very shifty skater. He's probably six, five Lindholm is six, five. Those are two big boys to, to get twisted like that. Like it's like Connor McDavid coming down on you. It's just unacceptable. Just terrible, terrible stick positioning. And, and, but anyway, aside from that play, um, Look, you see a lot of people that cover the team that mention as Scott's – well, I don't know if Scott said this exactly, but Lindholm's getting a lot of defensive uh, zone face-offs and assignments, and he's not he's not getting power play time like you guys mentioned. So there are, there are logistical reasons why the offense isn't there right now compared to last year where he was on the first power play unit in, in, in the absence of McAvoy. He was getting all those meaningful minutes on both sides of the puck. Still, he has to be better. And somebody can sit there and, and give me the analytics all they want about how he's been great defensively or at least, you know, above average. And that's great. But you're you gotta be a you, you gotta be a difference maker when you're a player of that caliber. You have to be a difference maker. There are some players that can get away with just doing their job, and then there are other players that need to do their job and then some. And he's one of those and then some players, in my opinion. Uh the so lining is I would much rather him play the best hockey in the spring as opposed to right now because last year he played stellar this time of year and did not have a great spring so I don't want to fall into the trap of over assessing every 10 game segment for each player um I would say that there's a lot of season left and and there's a lot of time for these guys to improve and you want them playing their best hockey months from now but right now he just hasn't been good enough for my liking yeah and you know the like the fact that Montgomery uses him and Carlo as a shutdown pairing is relevant, obviously. Like they're seeing the majority of opponents' top lines. Lindholm is starting more shifts in the defensive zone this season than he has any other season in his career. Those are factors, but you know, I mean, look, he's he's on pace for like 12 points right now. Like that's that's gonna be unacceptable no, no matter what. Like that you still have to be more involved offensively, even if he's not a 50 point guy, even though he had 50 points last year. Like I never expect him to get back to that, but he has pretty consistently been around 30 or so throughout his career. And, you know, I don't think there's any reason why he can't be in that neighborhood. And obviously right now 
he's got two through 14 games. So he's, he's way off the pace. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, again, like if you dive into some of the analytics, like he, so he's a minus one in traditional plus minus. He is actually a plus three at five on five, which is important to note because, you know, plus minus isn't just five on five. It's also four on four and shorthanded goals against and extra attacker and empty net situations and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, really no matter how you slice it, like they're going to need him to be more involved offensively. One of we've talked about things that Montgomery made a point of emphasis. He said he wanted defensemen even more involved offensively this season, um, especially in the offensive zone in terms of using the point defensemen, getting their shots through moving down the boards more, getting lower in the zone. Lindholm hasn't really been doing that. Now, as much as you can want to sit there and say like, well, because he starts in the D zone, maybe there's less opportunity to do that, but it's not like they're spending all their whole shift in the D zone. Like they're still spending a lot of time in the offensive zone because they're doing such a good job defensively getting out of the zone. So he's still getting opportunities down there and has to be better when he is down there. Like, you know, as we highlighted with like not getting shots through, it's like, that's, that's fixable. That's something he should be able to improve. So you can start there, but there's obviously so many other parts to it, but um, yeah. So it's, it's a little different from Nebraska. I would still say in my mind, overall, he's not, I can't say he's hurting the team. Like he's, he's still a plus player. The like expected goals and scoring chances and all that are still in the positive, but he can should be making more of an impact than than he has. Just the one last thing I'll say about Lindholm is that he has the opportunity to get involved in the offense more. He has the luxury of being able to do that on a pair with Carlo. Carlo's a guy you can trust back at the point if you want to rotate low and try to get involved in the offense a little bit more. Carlo is more of the defensive defenseman on that line, so Lindholm has to be leaned on for more of the offense there. Um, So he kind of has a luxury that a lot of guys in the NHL don't have where his partner is just so good uh, defensively in that you're not looking to Carlo for all for that kind of offense. So it has to be Lindholm. Can you guys answer a question for me? I just am blanking for some reason because last year the Bruins not only started the season without McAvoy, but they also started without Grizzly for probably three weeks or so. Obviously, you had Lindholm and Carlo, but I don't think they were together. And Forbert, yeah, Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Zaboro. Who 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 rounded up their top six to start last year? Lindholm was playing a lot with Clifton early on. Oh, Clifton, I forgot. And 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 they were great together. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, and, and, but it, it was and this is part of it too. Is like that was a more offensive role. Like they were getting more ozone starts, and Lindholm was on the top power play unit, and that was obviously when he would. When McAvoy was out, that was when he was the hottest that he was his whole career offensively. Um, and, you know, by the end of the year, he wasn't in, into a similar role as he is now. Like, Lindholm Carlo did become this matchup uh, shutdown pairing last season. And Lindholm's offense, you know, dipped a little bit the second half of the year, but it was still much better than it is now. So it's like, You can't even say like, oh, well, you know, even last year, like he didn't have much offense when they, when he got this role, like, no, it had dipped from where it was the start of the year, but it was still 
better than this. So like we we've seen him do it. Like, you know, it's it's still there somewhere. Who who was the sixth defenseman? You had you had Carlo, Lindholm, Forbert, Zaboral, Clifton. Who would the sixth guy have been while those two guys were out? I might blank on who it was. A, a Sean? No, it wasn't a Sean. Not to derail the podcast, but I'm just like, why can we not? Why can none of us think with the sixth defenseman was last year when Grizzly and McAvoy were out? Had to have been somebody down in Providence, right? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't know. We're stumped. Answer on Twitter for us. Well, no, I have it in my notes, but it's just so far back that I can't. Like Scott is, Scott is going through. No, it was a, it was a a lot of fun. I can't believe you forgot this, but Mike Riley, he played early on and Anton Strahlman got eight games. Remember remember the Anton Strahlman experience? I thought he was a dark horse for Norris last year when he started. (laughs) That's right. How could I forget? Mike Riley and Anton Strawman. Okay. Um, so speaking of defense, Bridget, let's circle all the way back to your opening shift and the Charlie McAvoy, Mason Lorai pairing. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of time left for this, so it can be quick. Um, the Charlie McAvoy, Mason Lorai pairing, which becomes your, I guess your top pairing, uh, you're putting your, your best, defenseman with your youngest defenseman and in theory that should be a place where Laura can learn and grow um I think there's still chemistry to be had there I don't think they had a terrible first game together and they also didn't look like the smoothest pair and I wanted to get you guys opinion on it too yeah I I would agree I mean right off the bat like it looked so promising that first shift Laura jumps right up into the offense he's actually had a chance to shoot in the slot. And like, I was thinking like, Oh, he's, he's got to shoot that almost lose control, but the Bruins get it back. And then McAvoy takes a shot that Zaka tips in. So all worked out very well in the end. Um, but then you didn't, you didn't see as much of that as the game went on. And I thought that there were times where they were stuck in their own zone a little bit. And that's where Laura, you know, obviously needs the most work. I, I didn't see as many like, glaring errors from him as we've seen in some other games. So I did think he was playing a little more sound hockey. Um, but yeah, if, if, if those two can get more offensive zone time and, you know, maybe that's a matchup thing. Maybe it's what forward line they're out there with. Maybe it's just where you send them out for faceoffs. Um, I do want to see like what they can do with more, ozone time because obviously they're they're two very skilled offensive players who can make things happen not not just for themselves but setting up teammates so uh i thought you saw that in like a couple flashes saturday night um but not not as consistently as as you want i think that mcavoy and grizzlick have a higher floor i think mcavoy and laura have a higher ceiling and i think that Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done to see that ceiling. 
I think Lori needs to, and this is a difficult ask, difficult ask, but he needs to play with some of that confidence and swagger. I think he, he probably should be. I think maybe he's overthinking just a little bit. He's not trusting his instincts right now. I think he's just trying to not make too many mistakes and and whatnot. So uh, I thought they were good. I, I did like Bridget. You mentioned earlier on in the podcast, Michael Pozzetta kind of tuned up Lori a little bit and, you know, arguably could have been a, an interference call, but lesson learned, don't admire your passes. And what I liked about it was that he hopped right back up and, and, you know, got back into the front of the net. But yeah, I think, I think McAvoy was out for a few games. Lori is still learning the ropes. So yeah, I, I would nothing new than what you guys mentioned. Did, did, by the way, like, did you see Lori's face on that hit by Pizzetta? One of the Nesson replays you could kind of see his face and it was like, and it was sort of like a, like, Oh crap. Like, can't believe I let that happen type type reaction, which again, like you're right. Like, Hey, at least he, he hopped right up and wasn't, wasn't hurt and didn't let it happen again. So, you know, good, good response for, for a play where, yeah, again, like wake up call, gotta, gotta be a little more aware there. Uh, somebody else I wanted to ask you guys quickly about Bridget. I know you have to go. Um, any any thoughts on Matthew Patra? A little bit of a quiet, quiet, you know, slate of games here for him. Not going to call it a rookie wall because it's just part of being in the NHL. But do you think he's been making things happen despite uh, some production as of late? I think it's been. I've I, you notice times where he's making really smart plays, but you also kind of feel him going quiet a little bit. I think that um, he's getting played really tightly. Uh, and he is smaller. I don't, I don't want to say that's the main reason why I think that also he's had, and I actually think this, this line has looked okay against Montreal with Heinen and DeBrusque. So, uh, we're, we're still looking at guys that are starting to play together. Um, I do think he's been quiet. Like you said, Brian, uh, what to attribute it to. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he, he still is making some plays. He recovers pretty well. Um, when pucks are turned over, he was on the ice for the, the overtime game winning goal from Montreal, but I wouldn't say that was his fault. He was kind of caught defending after he had just switched onto the ice. It was kind of a weird line change. Um, he hopped on the ice and it was during a break the other way by Montreal. So, yeah, I guess your thoughts too. There's there's not been a lot to really talk about with him, negatively or positively, I would say. Yeah, I, I really liked that Heinen Patrick DeBrusque line when they were first put together. I thought um you know, I thought thought they were really good like out of the gate when when they first started. And then yeah, Saturday was a little quieter again. Not just for them, but for the whole team offensively. Um but I like I like giving that line like a longer run because again I I see potential in Potter and DeBrusque sticking together like for a while just because especially if DeBrusque is playing right wing it, it makes a lot of sense it's like Zach and Pasternak have chemistry okay that's one center right wing combo Coyle and Frederick have chemistry that's another center right wing combo if Potter and DeBrusque find chemistry like there you go. Now, like you're pretty much set there and you have three, you know, sort of pairs of centers and wings. That makes a lot of sense. And 
the underlying numbers when they've been together this season have been really encouraging. Like just looking at it, they've played um, – there was like a little over 60 minutes together, 62 minutes, 65.3% expected goals, and Bruins have outscored opponents 3 nothing. They, they haven't given up a goal when they've been on the ice together. So, um, like, there's encouraging signs there, and I hope they get a longer run and Montgomery doesn't go shaking everything up just because, you know, Saturday night was a little quiet. Um, the one thing, one other thing I would just add is Montgomery said after the game that he thought his team looked tired and didn't have a lot of energy. And he said he didn't really think like that should have been the case. He didn't think their schedule was overly taxing, nor do I, but if that is an issue, all right, well, you have two days before your next game in Buffalo. Then you have go Tuesday to Thursday without, I mean, Tuesday to Saturday without a game. So there should be plenty of time to recuperate this week and guys, you know, be able to find more energy. And I I did wonder if maybe part of that was maybe some of the young guys like, like Patra and Laura in particular, you know, did they, not hit a wall in terms of the season, right? It's still way too early for that, but hit a little mini wall that just kind of naturally happens in the, in the course of a young player, like getting his first taste. So you mentioned Scott, the Bruins are off until Tuesday and then they're off until Saturday. So uh, obviously you're listening to this episode on Monday and we will have another episode on Wednesday after the Sabres game, maybe Friday we do a mailbag episode. Maybe we'll um, answer any and all questions um, that you guys have for us regarding the Bruins for the first month plus of the season. Does that sound like a good idea? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great idea. And me. also, wait, I need people to help me decorate. I have a new room. Wait, I'm going to put myself full screen. I have a new setup, but I don't have anything here. So any suggestions on what I should put in the background? Not that you guys really see it unless I do this giant view of myself, which I'm loving right now. Um, but <laughs> if anyone has any ideas of what I should do with this blank wall that I just Wait. put together, um, let me know. Can I can I get a full screen view of Scott real quick? Please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now we're talking. Look, Holy what you got smoke. back there, Scott? I see Scott's like Bruins license plate and then some sort of bobblehead. Some hats, of course, glass of wine, bottle of wine in the background, some whatever that is. There, there's like a couple. There's a couple steins up there on top of the refrigerator. Oh, okay. Really see them, see but that. Uh, is, that a, yeah. is that a sign? Sign Jake the Brust jersey behind you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> the the Bruins license plate. That's a gift from my uh, real estate agent when I when I bought the place. Oh, okay. and then there's there's Brian. And then there's hey, Brian. and I'm in I'm inside of IKEA right now. <laughs> So help. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you were gonna ask people to send you stuff. I, I didn't know you were just asking for suggestions. I'm not giving anyone my address, so no. But <laughs> uh, so just reiterate, reiterate, Scott Bridget, um, best place to to send questions. Yeah, I think a mailbag would be a great time to do it on Friday. Yeah, at at the skate pod on Twitter, skatepod at wei.com, email or comment on the YouTube videos on. WEI's YouTube page. Awesome. All right, Bridget, Scott, unless you have anything else, this is probably a good time to wrap it up. So thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful work week, and we'll talk to you very soon. Hey, guys, thanks for watching the Skate Podcast. If you want to see more of our videos, visit our playlist.
Not in front of a screen? You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on social media. And if you enjoyed this video, please don't forget to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, and leave a comment.